Brook and Podcast tries to get influential this week as we jump into the world of Athens politics. Our aim with this podcast was always for it to be as much about Athens as it is about games and the cafe. We love our town and want to bring it to you through the lens of tabletop games and the Rook and Pond. Our guest this week, Tommy Valentine, recently announced his candidacy for a seat on the athens Clark County Commission. Tommy knows games, knows Athens, and knows rap battling. You'll just have to listen. If you've enjoyed the podcast, we'd be thrilled if you rated and reviewed us on iTunes and SoundCloud. As always, if you leave the name of your favorite game in your review, Justin and I will play it on an upcoming episode. Thanks as always to Nick Malice for providing our music. You can find out more about him and his music at the links in our show notes. Thanks to Scott Duvall at Jawavi Films for helping launch this podcast and for engineering our episodes for us. So here we go. Episode 10 of the Rook and Pawncast, Tommy Valentine Plays America. Welcome to episode 10, 10. of the Rook and Pawncast with me, Timothy Kelly. And Justin Bray. That's me. And we're here live at the Rook and Pond Board Game Cafe. It's always live. It's always live in downtown Athens, Georgia. Ten episodes, Justin. We did it. Double digits. We can stop now. It's over. (laughs) (laughs) This is the first season. I was thinking about that. Like, hmm, wonder how long a season is for us or if we'll ever do seasons. I know. We should do like, so yeah, we're going to do like short HBO seasons or like long 1990s sitcom. The episodes are all an hour long, so it makes sense. That's true. Yeah. There's not enough drama though, really, to keep... People come in and uh, be upset for a whole year and a half when we're going to be like, we don't record. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be like second half of season two of Twin Peaks. There's going to be forums full of conspiracy theories yeah. about where your kids are <laughs> and what you're doing in your spare time. All right. We got to get, we got to start hitting these uh, plot points here. We're missing all that hanging, low hanging fruit, man. <laughs> <laughs> so, Justin, what, uh, what's up? What'd you do last, uh, yesterday? I feel like, so this is something I've been telling everybody um, the last two weeks, is that I have not been at home long enough in the mornings to finish a pot of coffee, which is normally my thing, is like I sit down, I watch a bunch of YouTube videos and vlogs and listen to podcasts and drink a lot of coffee. But my last two weeks have been so busy. You drink an entire pot? I say pot, but it's a pot for me. It's like my serving size. It's like two cups. Okay. (laughs) Because that's what's left. This is no longer a podcast. This is an intervention. Yeah. Justin, we have to talk to you. <laughs> we need to sit you down. Good thing I'm already sitting. Yeah, so I have. It's just been busy with uh, with work at night and during the day sometimes too, uh, preparing for vacation and doing a lot of volunteering with um, Books for Keeps, which uh-huh. is a great uh, organization here in town that I've been having a really good time with, doing their uh, helping out with their distributions. And so I did all of the Whitehead distributions because Anna is a resident teacher there, of course. Right. Um, got to hang out at like JJ Harris and Oglethorpe is actually over in the old Gaines School. Right, uh, during the remodel. Right yeah, yeah, during the remodel. Because right now, Oglethorpe Elementary is just a crater in the ground. Yeah, uh, maybe not so much a remodel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I hope it's a remodel. Rebuild, yeah. This is the nicest hole in that. <laughs> yeah, so it's been a lot of fun uh, working with those folks and kind of getting some perspective on um, the the schools in Athens and how much these people care. And um, we are a Title I district, of course. And so, um, meaning that we, we come from, all the students come from lower income families for the most part. And so it's, it's really neat to see how much those key teachers care because they're not necessarily like most teachers here for a paycheck, but even less so in, uh, in our community, unfortunately. And so it's different. It's different because I grew up in Gwinnett where teachers make the most in Georgia and um, they're there for the paycheck because that's mm-hmm. like the, the tip top of the, you know, the, the teacher hierarchy, so to speak. But um, these teachers are here because they want to be. And I think it's really cool to see all that. 
What does Books for Keeps do? That is and, a good question that I should have already said. <laughs> <laughs> and Books, what are you doing in this distribution? Yeah, um, so Books Sounds for Keeps... Sounds a little sinister. Okay. <laughs> These are all eyes. <laughs> um, they keep them um, ransom and whatnot. But no, Books for Keeps is uh, it's an organization that started, um, I think, not but five or six years ago. And, uh, not but. Like not, not but five or not six. Not but... <laughs> Four score ago. Um, but they go to all the schools in Athens, um, and what they do is, in order to prevent summer slide, which is when kids are, they have the entire summer off, and so they don't read, they don't do anything to stimulate their minds, summer slide sets them back, and they forget a lot that they've learned over the past year. And so the first few months of every school year is spent catching up, mm-hmm. you know? And so um, Books for Keeps, in an effort to prevent summer slide, uh, goes to all these schools and allows kids to keep 12 books mm. um, of their choice, um, no matter what they want. You know, They want sticker books, they want picture books, they want chapter books, they want something they can read to their brother or sister or mom, or in uh, one kid's um, experience, his babysitter, whom he has a very big crush on, uh, <laughs> um, whomever, you know. So, so that's kind of what they do. And so I helped uh, pack books earlier this year, and then I helped go and... Um, help kids pick out books and talk to them about that and do exit surveys with children, which are very simple for, you know, first and second graders, of course, like, what's your favorite one? Right. What do you wish that was here kind of thing? And so, um, it was neat. I got to do a little bit of everything. And so I had a really good time with all those folks and there, there are a lot of good people that work for books for keeps. And so one of them actually listens to our podcast. What? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Rainy listener. It's the one listener. So rainy, uh, also works at avid. So she has both. And so, um, I was, she was like, you had Caleb on. And, um, she was very excited that, uh, she didn't realize that I was on the podcast that she had been listening to, Cool. which I think is pretty hilarious. (laughs) And so, um, it was a lot of fun. It was really, really cool. And we, yeah, we, they're a tremendous program. We ran an event with them, um, just a small event last summer or maybe last fall at one of the pond cons. Out. And that's, that's how I heard about them. Actually. Okay. Yeah. Really? Okay. Yes. And they said so they were out. Um, so we had, you know, just vendors and, um, and then we were uh, teaching some games and then they did ran a book drive on a Sunday afternoon, mm-hmm. uh, book collection. Um, and I think they did pretty well. And we actually highlighted a game. We could just maybe segue right into my underrated game yeah, sure. and then we can go back. But, uh, it's a great game from Game Right Games called uh, Bring Your Own Book. I love Bring Your Own Book. Bring Your Own Book is so fun, but it's hard to get um, to get out on the tables here because you have to... Bring your own book. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Um, and a lot of people don't just wander into the cafe with the armful of books. So we were right next to Books for Keeps, and then we had this game out. And so in Bring Your Own Book, everyone has their own book. And then sort of like in the Cards Against Humanity, apples to apples sort of style, there'll be, um, you flip over a subject card and there might be a blank phrase mm-hmm. or just any sort of random, you know, word. And then you need to th- thumb through your book as fast as you can and try to find something that matches that card, yeah. you know, so it, a, a line from your book. And so it's really hilarious, especially if you bring like insane books, like mm-hmm. The Idiot's Guide to Rugby or like a cookbook or <laughs> really like, good. yeah, um, just, it's much better when you do things like that because then you just, it's much harder and it gets pretty funny. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, Bring Your Own Book uh, was perfect for Books for Keeps. And so that's a, that's definitely an underrated title to look for, but you have to bring your own book or you just use a flagpole or anything that we have. Anything with words that you can flip yeah. through really. You can even use other games if you wanted to. You could use some of yeah. like the, uh, the deeper books with like all our books, the deeper games with like all the scenarios and things like that. Right. That would be a lot of that fun. That would be kind of fun. Yeah. Like the, yeah, the, um, like above and below or, or right. Dungeons or and Dragons. Sherlock Holmes. Sherlock Consulting Holmes. Detective yeah. That you might spoil your case for you. You could. Yeah. That's yeah. Very yeah. True. <laughs> 
Well, that's good. That's what a what a charitable, you know, kind thing for you to do. On I'm a, super humble. I know. And very giving. Hey, everybody. <laughs> I'm the best. I think you walked me right into that one. Thanks. <laughs> no, that's awesome. So you're out the door. I feel bad that you're not getting to enjoy your coffee, though. I'm enjoying coffee right now, though, so it's fine. Okay. And like, I, I mean, I got vacation coming up very soon, where I'll be gone for uh, almost a week and a half. So it's all for that. Really? Yeah. It's going to be worth it. So where are you heading for a vacation? St. George Island oh. in Florida with all of Anna's family, actually. They do okay. a big vacation every year. And they're like, oh, you should come, too. Right. Okay. So I'm on the way. I'm going to make it happen. We're going to have a good are time. Are you going to bring games? Yes. I'm actually going to talk to you about borrowing some games, so yes. Um, <laughs> oh! <laughs> I'm glad we're on the air here, so uh, you can tell me all about the games I can borrow. <laughs> yeah, well, that's that'll be fun. Games and vacations, perfect together, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. We always go with our family, and we bring... All the, all the sort of classic gateway kind of stuff because mm-hmm. we have nieces and nephews that want to play. So we always bring Carcassonne and they love to get dry. Mm-hmm. They got into Wits and Wagers last year in a big way. Um, so those are all highly recommended. I do love Wits and Wagers. We'll have to do that. We'll have to do a whole segment Best Vacation Games. Yeah, I'm into it. Gosh, we can do that soon. We should plan these things. <laughs> but who knows where the podcast roads will take us, Justin? You never know. <laughs> Speaking of, I heard you, uh, you might have run into somebody that had a brush with fame in high school. Yes. So um, that, that same person that I was talking about, uh, Rainy Lynch, who works for Books for Keeps and Avid, knows somebody that we've spoken about on our podcast, Jeremy Dyson, <gasps> the legend. Now, who is he? The myth. <laughs> you know that guy. Uh, we, went, uh, we went a couple episodes without talking about him. It's just, uh, you got to give it a, you know, you got to I know. It, it, it was borderline creepy for a while. <laughs> No, I like building the, the legend. Yeah. Uh, which is funny because we could walk outside and yell his name and he'd probably show up. <laughs> and so there is He's like the, <laughs> like the Beetlejuice of Athens. Yeah. Or... yeah the, the, the commissioner actually has a, like a, a big spotlight that says, this has his name. Oh, is this spotlight. I was, I was going three times and he just appears. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that works too. Yeah. Candyman. I was style. going more Batman, but I like Beetlejuice more. Okay. He goes, Zapula, Zapula, Zapula. Oh, he's yeah. Like, <laughs> So, knew him in high school. That must have been... He, yes. Uh, so, apparently, he grew up in Albany, Georgia. I think, yeah, Mark said that, right? Yes, yes, he did. So, growing up in Albany, Georgia, there isn't much to do, mm-hmm. except for, um, and this is a small town thing, I know, because I grew up in a small town in Gwinnett, if you could believe there are <laughs> right. such things. Um, I grew up in Grayson, so the thing to do was hanging out in the Wendy's parking lot. Ooh. And in Albany, the thing to do was hang out in the Books A Million parking lot. Oh, okay. And so, parking lots were a big deal in small towns, but... Um, so you just hung, you just like, did you That's what you it? did. You no, just, you just, you just talked. And Every once in a while you'd walk inside and buy like a burger or a soda and then you'd go sit on someone's, guys. the back of someone's car. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I look back on all that now and having a um, service industry experience I had. I'm like, man, I suck. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I really didn't suck. I was very, you know, polite and well-mannered, but I was just a loiterer. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. So she met Jeremy Dyson. The first time she met Jeremy Dyson, she said, he's always been... Um, kind of short and he used to be shorter in high school too he's still kind of short um, I know everyone is short to you of course right but, yeah uh, for a, a grown person he's you know a little little shorter than most that's fine but he packs a punch um, but she met this, this small person she said the small person woke up or woke up walked up to her and said <laughs> and I quote I can kick myself in the face. Do you want to see? And she said, yup, yep. <laughs> I sure do. Yeah. And then he did it with both feet. <laughs> oh my gosh. And apparently he's always had like a super, super deep voice that he has now that, uh, it's just his voice. Oh so my gosh. This very short person walks up and asks that question and kicks himself in the face. And she had never met, this never met him before. Never heard of him. Wow. No, nothing. 
The and legend that was it. The legend grows. The legend grows. <laughs> <laughs> Eventually, we'll cobble together a, like an entire understanding of this person and never have him on the podcast. That's the point, man. I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's that's absolutely fantastic. My real quick Wendy's story. Mm-hmm. I, have, I have to share this. Oh, okay. <laughs> So I, I worked at a blockbuster video. Do you know what those are, Justin? There was, used to be these things with VHS. Uh, yeah, just musings of them. Yeah. I'm not sure. Entirely. So I worked at a blockbuster video wow. in. You worked at one? Yes, in Eldersburg, Maryland, when were I was you, in high school. Um, did you? Was part of your job like your side work was rewinding everything? <laughs> it was part. Yes, it yeah. was. <laughs> <laughs> and then charging appropriately on the account. So if you didn't oh, rewind, you got a charge. Thing, yeah. yeah. I was a fantastic employee because my, as Justin pointed out, I'm a freak. Freakishly tall and Very a freak, tall. yeah. But <laughs> my arms are gigantic and lengthy, and so when you would, I could, I was such a good employee because I could stack all of the videos. Mm-hmm. I would put my like, my hands down. I'm showing Justin right now that <laughs> you guys can't see, but then I would stack them all the way up to my chin, <laughs> and so like every return video in the entire store, I could just immediately put in my, I could put them alphabetically, and then I would walk and I could put them all back like in record time uh-huh. because I could carry them all. How once. would you put them on the shelves if? Because I, I could do one hand, and then I would... Oh, okay, yeah. gotcha. That was fantastic. So there was a Wendy's nearby. Okay. And so every break, I would go over there and get a a biscuit and a Frosty, and I see your face. <laughs> and this is my story, because I would tell this to people. I told this to somebody once who worked at a Wendy's, when I came mm-hmm. to Georgia, and I worked at a Wendy's, and he's like, no, you didn't. You didn't get a biscuit there. You were not at Wendy's. All right. And he's like, <laughs> you, you didn't. And I said, yes, I did. I got a biscuit and a Frosty. And he's like, Wendy's doesn't serve biscuits. Mm-mm. And I said, this Wendy's served biscuits. And he said, no, it didn't. And like, he got like incredibly angry. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I swore to God, I took a picture of the Wendy's when I went home one time. The menu and everything? Well, they didn't have biscuits anymore. <laughs> yeah, because you made it up. <laughs> so then I got into this thing where I was like, was I living in some weird dream, like pocket universe or something that this Wendy's has just appeared? I'm under the impression that you were going to some like hole in the wall restaurant that just slapped like a, like a crayon drawn <laughs> Wendy's sign. It was called like, like Rendy's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we come to discover years later after we had, we had pieced this friendship back together mm-hmm. after the entire Wendy's incident. That there was a test, like for one year or two years in the mid-Atlantic states where they served fried chicken and biscuits at Wendy's. That's incredible. Where was this up north? In Maryland. This was in Maryland. Yes. They were trying to test the market to yep. see if you guys were into fried it's, foods. Yeah. And probably you were not. <laughs> some sort of weird deep state chemtrail I was hoping conspiracy it, <laughs> thing, too. Like they were putting something in the biscuits. You were just being gaslighted. Yeah. I was hoping that it ended with, that Wendy's has been closed for 40 years. <laughs> like they're just an old man in a Yeah. <laughs> So that's it. Uh, biscuits at Wendy's, everybody. Yeah, <laughs> I hope you. I, love I hope you enjoyed that. I love the long test story. So yeah. I, I also, I mean, I'm, I'm familiar with like testing different markets because of my experience with Chick Fil A. Um, but we used to sell. I remember here in Athens, actually, they tested Athens for sweet potato fries. Oh, they were wow. good. Yeah, they right. were. They tested them for like three years. And then that's how um, this was then, yeah. two or three years. But the same thing. The people yeah. of Athens became very accustomed to sweet potato fries and got very upset when they disappeared. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but the reason being was if they discovered by collecting all that data how popular they were that if they went nationwide in like seven years the sweet potato crop would go extinct. Oh, <laughs> so, be, so very, they, would, they were like, we can't do that. Very conscientious. Yeah, the Chick Fil A the environment. All right, well there you go. Uh, Wendy's uh, serves biscuits and chicken in Maryland. There you go. <laughs> so, 
Um, so real quick, we we already hit the underrated game. Yeah. Uh, that was, again, Game Right Games, Bring Your Own Book. But today I wanted to feature a new game. It's new-ish. Um, it's been on the shelf for a couple months now. Um, we got it on Kickstarter. I think it is available now for sale out in the world. Um, it's from Action Phase Games. It's called Dreamwell, mm-hmm. Justin. Mm-hmm. Um, and the first thing you'll see is if you pull it off the shelf is just really cool art, um, artwork on yeah. the box. That's what um, gets me. The artwork on the cards inside is really cool. Um, and it is a two to four player game. It says 14 and up. You can probably go down to 12, but it's definitely not probably um, for like seven, eight, nine Tim year olds. approved. 12 <laughs> year olds can play this game. 12 or 13, I'm going to say. And it says 45 minutes, but if you're playing with two players, I bet you could get away with it, especially after you played a couple times in 30-ish minutes. So sure. it's, it's quick, um, and it's good, for, um, it's good for two players. In Dreamwell, you are dreaming, and you are entering this sort of dream state. And in, in the dream world, you are trying to locate, uh, identify and locate your friends out there in the dream world and avoid any sort of pitfalls and or okay. monsters. And so... The way it works is you set these, um, there's these tiles about, um, there's 16 tiles all with, um, really kind of cool, um, dreamscapes, um, terrains and creatures and, um, doorways and portals. So there's like bunnies and squids and, you know, all different types of cool stuff. The art is from an artist named Tara McPherson. Um, the game is designed by Nick Little. Um, and so in it, you set up the grid of like a four by four, um, grid of these tiles um, you have your little stand-up markers with also cool little um, representations of you in the dream in the dream world. You also set up your friends, your friend cards, and you are trying to match. Your friends are found near their friendly creatures and on their friendly terrain. So on their card, you'll see on the friend cards there's you know, matching terrain and creatures that match the terrain and creatures of the grid, of the tile um, uh, tile grid out on the board. And you have to, on your turn, you move around trying to match up the um, creatures and terrain to your friend card. And if you do, you get to acquire your friend mm-hmm. and you get the corresponding amount of points. And over the course of, I think, seven turns, um, you, uh, you um, try to acquire as many friends as you can out in the dream world. And whoever has the most wins at the end. Whoever but, has um, the most friends wins. The, the most, exactly. <laughs> um, but you can also do things like where you can um, turn uh, turn tiles around to match up okay. um, doorways that allow you to move easier. Because um, you know, typically you can only move one space, but I think the you know the doors allow you to you know move more freely through through the dreamscape. But definitely, I think the big hook here is the art. The illustration is really needed somewhere between My Little Pony and Adventure Time. <laughs> That's a really good, yeah, that's, I think that's an accurate representation. So, I mean, that, that's definitely what, what kind of draws you in. And just the whole element of this weird sort of fantastical dream theme that you're, mm-hmm. you know, you're kind of moving through. But again, it's sort of, it's great for people that kind of like, you know, maze slash like puzzle kind of games. It's sort of in that abstract sense, um, because as, you, as I said, you're, you're flipping the, the tiles and the grid around to sort of match things up. Um, and so you, and you move through almost like a, you know, kind of like a weird dream dungeon crawler, you know, yeah. that you're, you're kind of moving through. So dream well from action phase is our new game. Um, yeah, we've had a lot of good responses for it. Um, again, it's, uh, it's definitely a good one to recommend if you, um, just wanted to learn something new and play in like in 30 minutes, the rule book is, you know, very manageable and it, it's actually, it's a really good rule book too. Uh, it's very straightforward and clear. 
there's not a lot, you know, very few questions, um, unanswered, um, in it. And it's, you know, a quick read, it's like three pages. Um, so if you, um, just spend about five minutes kind of flipping through that, you'll be ready to go and cool. you play in 30 minutes. So that's it. Dream well. I think that's a, that's a good recommendation for anybody looking to play something new. Absolutely. And that's very good that you talk about the rule book too, because not all rule books were created equal. No, <laughs> that is definitely true. And, uh, some of them are written very well and some of them are written, um, expansively, but poorly, uh, teach you how to play the game. Right. So that's very important to know as well. That's uh, that's interesting. We we can have Maddox uh, and Kyle Key back on some point yeah, um, talk about to talk about that specifically logistic. because they do a very good job. I think um, Control, I think um, is you know the game that we talked about a couple episodes ago that they released last year, and then mm-hmm. Cape Creatures coming out this year. I know they put a, a lot of thought into that, and especially um, keeping it streamlined. I think even you know just. Oh, picking up a rule book and it's like, ooh, this feels slightly thick. Even yeah. if it's like the paper is thick, or like, yeah. it, immediately people are like, nope, I'm, I'm not going to play that <laughs> because it, I don't want to read anything. It's not psychological. But Control comes, I think it's, it's. Uh, I think the rules on that are, are just on one, one card. card. Yeah. Yep. And it's, uh, and so you can immediately play after literally re- like reading uh, that one 30 card. seconds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's And so they, I think they put um, a lot of time into really carefully selecting every word, you know, <laughs> and then yeah. And that's where, again, Kickstarter, I think, is very useful, too. Uh, you know, Dreamwell's Kickstarter, Control was Kickstarter. When Maddox and Kyle put Control out, they did the print-and-play version mm-hmm. of um, Control while the game was still, you know, going through funding. And so people were able then to, you know, print out the cards, play through it, and print out the rules. Yeah. And they would make suggestions and comments on the Kickstarter campaign mm-hmm. that I know Maddox and Kyle, you know, we talked about that, that how mindful they were of that and keeping up with it. Yeah. But they um, made changes, you know, to the rule book. I think to um, uh, you know address some of those clarification, like you know, the clarifications and questions that people had through the print and play. So I think Kickstarter is a really good use um, for that too. Yeah, just collecting data and feedback and that sort of thing. Yeah, it's great. Okay, cool. so Dreamwell, come in, play Dreamwell. Put Dreamwell on. All right, so I think we are going to take a break, right? Yep, we sure are. All right, and when we come back, we'll have our guest yeah, and yeah. a game. It's gonna be a good time. Hey everyone, Tim here. I just wanted to invite all of you to two special events coming up at the Rook and Pond. The first is Saturday, June 17th. It's our second birthday party. We're having an all-day celebration to commemorate our newfound toddler status. It's hard to believe it's been two years and we're entering into year three, but we'd love to thank and celebrate with you. So come on down. Our highlights include birthday cake, obviously, birthday cake for a birthday. We'll have party hats, and if you... Bring us a birthday card. We'll take 10% off your entire tab. We'll also have some drop-in gaming with some of our great fan track groups all during the day. So you can come in, do some drop-in games, and then stick around for the party that evening. That's Saturday, June 17th, all day long. Then the following weekend, it's uh, Save the Date for Athfest, starting Friday, June 23rd, and continuing through the weekend, ending Sunday evening, June 25th. We'll be doing another beer garden with Creature Comforts uh, right outside our front door. The main stage is right in front of us. So it's a great opportunity to check some of the great local acts that will be performing on the outdoor main stage, drink some great Creature Comforts beer, and play some games inside if you get too hot, which at fests, if you've been before, is uh, notoriously warm. So that's Saturday, June 17th, our second birthday party. And the following week, it's Athfest and the Rook and Pawn and Creature Comforts Beer Garden. So hope to see you there. Okay, we're back and we are ready to play our game with our guest. Our guest today is Tommy Valentine. Hi. Hey, Tommy. What's up? <laughs> we'll, we'll let people know who you are in a second. But first, games. We need to get All to right. know you for real on the Gamescape. <laughs> 
Today we're going to play America. We talked about America a couple episodes ago as one of our either new or underrated, or both. It's new and underrated. Yeah. Uh, one of our new and underrated games, but today we're going to play America. Um, so, Tommy, have you played America before? I have not played America before. Have you been to America before? <laughs> I am currently sitting in America. Oh, okay. Ah. So you are, you're doing some good research for this game then. America is a trivia game, but it's a, they call it a trivia party game. Mm. Um, so it's not as sort of hardcore trivia as Trivia Pursuit or, you know, some of those other ones. You definitely have an advantage if you know a little bit about trivia, but you don't need to know a ton. Um, so in this game, there's a, a big board that has a large map of the United States. It has a timeline starting in 1492 and ending in 2015, and then a sort of a number line that goes from zero to a billion with uh, little boxes all around. And so in America, you'll choose a category. Currently, our categories are the Milky Way Bar mm. or Twin Peaks the TV show Twin Peaks, um, and there are three um, questions associated with each card, and that's um, a year, a state, and a number, and it just depends on what the card is. And then we go around taking turns, sort of betting on what we think is the right answer by placing little cubes of ours either on the timeline, on the number line, or out um, on the map of the United States in a corresponding state. If you're correct, uh, you get seven points. If you are adjacent, so say the answer was Illinois and I picked Indiana, I would you, you get three points. There's also little boxes for no one will be exactly right or no one will be exactly right or adjacent, sort of like a, a roulette, you know, picking the zero, and you get points for that. Okay. Makes sense? Yes. I also just want to point out, uh, earlier in the podcast, you were saying, I think, Justin, that you're a sucker for art I am. games. Yes. Uh, so I'm looking at the art on this game, and I will say that I think my favorite part about the game design is that American history stops in 2015, <laughs> which is, uh, I think, uh, how historians will remember it. You know? It's better that way. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they'll have to, they'll have to come out with a, a, a new version called something much different. <laughs> All right, well, let's get going. So, Tommy, you can pick, actually, the first category. Um, your current options, as I said, are Twin Peaks. Or the Milky Way bar. I will warn you that Tim knows everything about Twin Peaks. Well, I will <laughs> warn you, even though I am a full-on nerd, that uh, sometimes I let parts of nerd culture... Uh, Get by you? No, um, I save them, like in a wine cellar. Oh, okay. <laughs> so that one day I can become obsessed with them after uh-huh. everyone else is already over them. Uh-huh. And then I can say, isn't such and such great? And they'll say, yeah, we knew that, you know, like decades 16 years ago. ago. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so uh, Twin Peaks is... In my uh, wine cellar right now. Oh, so I'm better. I, I'm okay with it. Yeah. Uh, so I will. Uh, although I saw that there's obviously uh, new Twin Peaks coming, mm-hmm. and so I might right. have to catch up before then because I don't want a 30 year old show spoiled for me. <laughs> yeah. um, so, uh, but, but briefly, that calls to mind a friend of mine who she loved the show Pushing Daisies mm. so much that she's never watched the last episode because she said she never wants to live in a world where there's not one more mm-hmm. episode of Pushing Daisies left. Yeah. So she never knows, she hasn't watched it, which is an interesting theory. Well, I'll also add that one of the things that some of my fellow nerds and I like to do is uh, we like to come up with one additional season for a show. Uh, so we like to brainstorm, okay, what would the next season of Lost have been? Or the, uh, yeah. you know, the next season of Battlestar have been? And the problem is sometimes you, you get so lost in that uh, fan fiction that I forget that that season didn't actually happen. <laughs> and then I get really upset that other people don't remember that fictional episode. I think I met you and your friends in every fanfic form ever. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, all right. So let's do. Well, why don't we? We'll, we'll scrap Twin Peaks then, um, and we'll um, we'll do. Okay, how about that? You have Dodge City, Ooh. or the Milky Way Bar. Uh, let's do. Man, I'm curious about the Milky Way Bar. Let's do the Milky okay. Way Bar. Okay, yeah. So our choices are um, the year, uh, the year the Milky Way Bar was invented, the state, which is most uh, best place to view the Milky Way galaxy. Oh, uh, okay. So it's a little twist there. Mixing and then up. number, Milky Way bars consumed every year. Okay. So, Justin, you can get going. You can choose one of those to mm. make, uh, make a guess on, and you can go around as much as you want. You can also pass if you don't feel like you can even muster a guess at any of these things. These are tough. Best place to view the Milky Way galaxy is what I'm going to go for. Okay. And it also gives us a hint, usually. It's it the does. western side It'll of the U.S. It'll tell you which hemisphere. Hemisphere. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it'll tell you west or east of the Mississippi. Now, uh-huh. now where is that on the... Uh, There's a little it's shadow. It's a little, like, oh, water that. How water nice. yeah. Yeah. I'm going to go with... Um, I'm guessing it's either, like, one of the Dakotas or, like, that, like, north midwestern area or Alaska. Does it only do the watermark for either side of the Mississippi or is it a watermark for the... No, that'll, it'll, that just counts as okay. west of the Mississippi. Cool. I'm going to go with Alaska. So, Justin's saying Alaska. So, then... Um, I, my the the year the Milky Way bar was invented. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's a twenties thing. I'm going to say 20s. 1920 to 1929. What are you basing that off of? Just my wealth of knowledge. Just <laughs> now at this point, with you two having gambled on the other two, so am I able to gamble on? You can do anything, anything you want. Right, the only so thing you can't do is place a cube where a cube already is. So yeah. you can't do Alaska. So do I have some cubes? Yeah, yours are these blue ones. Oh, actually, blue. Yeah. All right, how about that? All right, so I'm going to say, if you're going to call the bar the Milky Way bar, it's got to be during an era when people were obsessed with space, because you've got to imagine that like corporate uh, boardroom of like, Johnson, what are we going to call this thing? <laughs> you know what's really big right now? The big cigar. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good job, Johnson. You know, um, it's always Thank some, you, sir. Thank so, yeah, it's always some guy named Johnson. Um, <laughs> but uh, so I'm going to say it's got to be, you know, 60s, right? I oh, mean, uh, um, so I'm going to... Here's where it gets hairy. you got 60 I know, I know. Is this, uh, is this Kennedy 69. saying we're going, or is this we're already on the way? So I'm going to say... We've already been. Yeah. Mm. I'm gonna go with, but see, yeah, there's old sci-fi, so I don't know. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna risk it all on 1960. Nice. And now we can keep going. You can you can pass. Uh, Justin's up again. He can he can make a choice. I'm gonna go with 65 to 69. All right. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say, go. Yeah, I'm, Russia went. We're going. I'm hopping okay. on the uh, Milky Way bars consumed. I'm gonna say one to ten million. Every year. Jeez, that's a lot of chocolate. Oh, my God. But are they talking about those little ones? Cause oh, yeah. Because those little ones, and it's like one billion. Where do right? we draw the line? <laughs> All right. So are you passing? Yeah. Oh, well, it's your turn. I, just, I did the one. All right. So yeah. I'm going to sneak up above you here and oh, okay. go closer to 10. All right. We'll find out what happens there. Uh, at this point, I'm good. All right. I'm going to pass now. I'm going to... I'll just keep going. I'm going to say no one's going to be exactly right on the year. Okay. All right. And then no takers for state. All I've got is Alaska. That's where I'm going. I might keep going. I'm just going to go all in on this Milky Way thing. <laughs> so here, here's another thing I'm just going to say here is that um, you remember in elementary school, if you would trip and no one would see, sometimes mm-hmm. you have to tell people, you guys just missed it. I just wiped out back there. So uh, for listeners, uh, since I haven't even been introduced yet, but in case you're trying to assess my intelligence level, I am having a complete 
brain meltdown <laughs> because the design of this game does not actually have any state names yes. or uh, initials. On the back side. So it's freaking you out a little? There's, it's a two-sided board. Yeah. On the back side, it does have the state names oh. and initials. Uh, I we just chose we went to we've, we've, we've committed to this. I so, went challenge mode, yeah. So uh, I, uh, although I respect the trivia aspect of this, so I'm on airplane mode, uh, <laughs> I have my phone out. As a cheater's guide to where each <laughs> to state, what state is, is. <laughs> uh, but I'm going to like uh, I'm going to uh, say I'm going to gamble uh, the state. Now remember, it is on the the western side. Yes, they give uh, us that much. So I, you know, Death Valley National Park is in Arizona, mm-hmm. and uh, I know that that is a. It's, I feel like it's either going to be Texas or Arizona, but I'm going to go with <laughs> yes. I'm going to go with Arizona. <laughs> Which I uh, you placed uh, on Nevada. I Nevada. Nevada. No, actually, Nevada. actually. So let me let me point out. Uh, thank you for your help. Anytime. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was actually going to choose Arizona as well. Um, so I'll go. Um, I'm going to go with. Uh, I'll try, try Utah, and maybe I can get some adjacent points. You did go all on this Milky Way thing. Yeah, and then uh, I, I'm going to keep going. I, I'm going to try. Um, I'll put Nevada down too. Yeah. Well, so that's the thing. I actually now I'm second guessing myself, even though I've been to Death Valley National Park. Now I kind of feel like it was in Nevada. <laughs> so, but I'm going to put one down on Texas just because I've heard really good things about the sky. Everything's big there. Yeah. All right. All right. Everybody in. Style. That's right. All right. So now, uh, Tommy, I'll ask you that you can pull the card and you can reveal the answers. All right. All right. Let's see. So. Uh, all right, so some interesting things going on here. So wow. the Milky Way bar was invented in the year 1923. Oh, oh am uh, I? Um, That's me right on the money. Right on the money. I also bet that no one would be exactly right. So, so <laughs> <laughs> I bet against myself. Very good. And, yeah. So uh, are, are, are listeners interested in any of this accompanying sure. trivia facts? Why not? Uh, so uh, the Milky Way bar was invented in 1923 by Frank C. Mars. Oh, Mars, Mars bars, bars are named after yeah. him, and of course he would have a space uh, that fetish. That makes sense. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then our second answer, best place to view the Milky Way galaxy. Um, no one was correct, and I feel this is a little deceptive when they said, "Oh no, wait, no, I, no." I got it. I was we got it. Right behind we got you. it. Yep. Uh, we got it. Uh, Alaska. Justin was yeah first first one. And can Ooh. anyone guess why Alaska? Uh, is no it one's there? Oh, it's closer. It's <laughs> no, there's no lights. Less lights. Yeah, yeah. Light, light pollution. Light pollution. There is less light pollution. Um, Wyoming would be. The I just next figured since it was it was farther north, it's closer to the Milky Way. All right, <laughs> that's and, what it is. And yeah. then Milky Way bars consumed every year is eighty million. Eighty million. 80 million. That's so a Tommy one. Tommy you're right on the money. Uh, yeah, so yeah. So uh, so now as we total up our. Points. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, did, it, did it specify whether the uh, the tiny fun size bars count? It, it does not. Although it lists the most popular candy bars, uh, it's apparently Milky Way is the eighth oh. most popular candy bar behind Three Musketeers is number one. Really? <laughs> Twix, Kit Kat, Hershey bar, Reese's peanut butter cups. M&M's and Snickers. Man, See, the Milky Way is just a better Three Musketeers. I know, exactly. It's, just a, it's got caramel in there, too. We're so boring. I don't know. Caramel <laughs> really throws people off. Does it really? Let alone car- caramel. Caramel throws people caramel off Caramel throws people off way more yeah. Three Musketeers is just a big hunk of nougat. <laughs> I'm all about that nougat, though. So that's, uh, that's America. So what we'll do now is you um, you take all your non-scoring cubes off. They get, they get sent to cube purgatory mm. you don't get them back they until um you get one back per round okay okay um so that's non-scoring um so then these are non-scoring um and so then you total up your points justin got seven points for being exactly right on alaska seven. um i got seven points for being exactly right 
on the year. And Tommy got seven points for being exactly right. Um, boop, boop. And then I got three points for being adjacent right for the year because I picked one to ten million. That's um, ridiculous. So then you get all of your um, your scoring cubes back. And then you should always have two cubes in your hand, uh, which I think we all do. Uh, and you got that one back. All right. Right. So that, that's America, right? That's, yeah. What did you guys think? I like America. It felt just like the real America. <laughs> it's like the real thing. <laughs> just like it. But this is a fun game with all the weird... Like, I remember I was looking through the cards beforehand, and there's like Chili and Remote Controls. Mario. Mario's in there. Yeah. Red Wagons. So the... It's it's just all over the place with what you can do, and every card has two sides, so the game doesn't get boring anytime soon, right? Which is really fun. And by the time like you cool, get through them, cool yeah. pictures, and um, it's not yeah, so it's not dry. Mm-hmm. Um, the Rockford Files is the current topic that's out there, right? mm-hmm. um, and uh, so yeah, it's and it's like even you know kids can kind of participate too, just because a lot of the stuff is like the Milky Way bars, like how many consumed, mm-hmm. you know, it's. No one knows, really, you know. So then you're just kind of guessing and just trying to do your best. So yeah. it's, um, it, I think it, it says, uh, it says thirteen and up. I the Tim Kelly, Tim Kelly age range. Yeah, range. I'd say, you know, even down to nine. I think you could you could safely kind of just throw it out there and let them play, um, especially using you know the the non challenge side of the board. Absolutely. <laughs> Um, Tommy, did you like it? I did. Yeah. I liked it very much. Cool. Yeah. So I'm it's really like good. something different for people, you know, that like trivia or can tolerate trivia. Or even people that don't like trivia, really. You can yeah. play this too. People too. that hate trivia. Yeah, you can still get into it. Um, <laughs> you can trick people into liking trivia. But, uh, cool. Well, um, at this point, I guess we can formally uh, introduce our, our friend here, Tommy Valentine. Tommy is uh, an avid... Um, sponsor, not sponsor necessarily, but a big fan of the Rook and Pod. He's been here since the very beginning, since uh, my days, and that's how Tommy and I met. And mm-hmm. now Tommy is, by the time this episode comes out, he will have formally announced his uh, his ballot, his running for county commissioner as well. That's true. Yeah. So um, are you excited? Are you nervous? What's going I, on? I am. Uh, well, I'm both excited and nervous. Uh-huh. You know, one of the things that we're really trying to accomplish with this campaign, and I say we because I'm lucky enough to have a really, really, really phenomenal staff. Um, is we're trying to have a campaign that takes on some challenges in Athens that have gone overlooked for the entire history of the city. Mm -hmm. And so when you're trying to do something that hasn't been done before, sometimes you try to accomplish it in a way that uh, no one's tried to accomplish things Mm -hmm. before, a different method. And so radical honesty has been a key component of that for us. And so I think there's this model of politics where you act insanely confident, almost like a sociopath. You know, mm-hmm. you just act as if you have no doubt mm-hmm. and then you hope that inspires enough faith in, of people in you that they follow you blindly and then, you know, then you obviously can't do the things you say you're going to do yeah. and uh, if people like you enough, then hopefully they make justifications for why you couldn't have done those things and why it's not fair. Yeah. And, you know, I mean... And the American way. That's the American <laughs> way. And, uh, and so what we're trying to do in- instead is, to your question about being nervous is admit that we're taking on some really scary challenges and we can only accomplish those things if we have a movement and not a moment. If we have a a campaign that spreads into a coalition and then that coalition is sustained, not just enough to get us elected, but to get policies passed. And I think you'd have to be insane not to be nervous about that. Yeah, absolutely. Because you're really... You're counting on a lot there. You're counting that you can hold this thing together. You're counting that people will care. You're counting that people will believe it can be done. And 
a lot of politics is is far more cynical than that. You go where the votes already are. You go where people are already registered to vote. Mm-hmm. You look up who votes in the past. You go knock on their doors. You know, there's this whole term of super voters. You find the super voters. You ask them to vote for you. You court them, and then that's it. And what we're trying to do is a lot harder because we're trying to go to people that have been ignored by the system for a very long time, and we're trying to convince them to get involved. Mm-hmm. And that is far trickier because you're asking people to believe in a system that's failed them. Yes. Yeah. So this is District 9. So that's, that is correct. So yeah. I reside in and will be running for athens Clark County District 9. If you live in Athens, District 9 runs from the intersection of Barber Street and Prince Avenue mm-hmm. all the way out to Madison County. So it includes, so if you know where the flagpole building is Mm -hmm. in Takiera del Sol, Pulaski Heights, Newtown, uh, Ruth Street, Martin Luther King, all that area, that's all in my district. Wow. Cool. But so is Highway 29, the Super Kroger, Bethel Homes, uh, Pinewoods, Southern Brewing Company. I mean, it's a very large district. How far south does it go? That's the border. Prince is the border. Okay, cool. Yeah, so Prince turning into Dougherty. Okay, cool. Doherty. 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 And Creature Comforts and Rook and Pond are right outside. I know. Literally a block. That's right. (laughs) But, you know, one of the things that I've been trying to explain to people is that, as another commissioner once told me, once you become a commissioner, there's no setting you can put on your phone that will stop people from around the district calling you. Mm -hmm. And I think we're going to represent a unique set of ideas that other elected officials aren't talking about. Mm -hmm. And so I expect us to have to partner with Mm -hmm. and just develop relationships around the city. So even if you are narrowly outside or even if you don't live in the ninth, we still hope that we'll have your help. Uh, You being the listener, although I won't turn it down uh, from either of you guys, but your help because it's going to take hands across Athens to get this done. Yeah. Well, I, I can attest to a little bit of that with what you said, because I, I call uh, the current district nine commissioner or, and some other commissioners far more than I contact my own. Right. (laughs) Due to, uh, yeah, I I know which ones will be responsive (laughs) and helpful. Right. And it seems like you're, you're definitely, um, you're speaking on a campaign uh, platform that you are going to be responsive. You're going to be honest. You're going to be genuine. You're going to reach out to people that you, that previous uh, elected officials hadn't done. Well, that's the idea. And, you know, I realized, you know, Part of, I think, being good at this is being constantly self-critical. So even as I'm speaking, right, Mm -hmm. I'm catching myself. I'm doing this politician's thing where you you say you're going to be radically honest, right? Mm -hmm. And then you say, I'm going to be talking about the issues people are afraid to be talking about. And then I realized I haven't mentioned a single issue. (laughs) You know, it's like, you know, um, it's as a salesperson putting their foot in their door and saying, oh, now look, I'm no salesman. Uh, But so, I mean, some of those issues that we're concerned with is that, you know, Athens is the poorest college town in America. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're the third poorest urban county in the country. Uh, even once you remove the students, you know, because with the students, we're 38.5%. Mm-hmm. And I think it's debatable whether we should even use the students because, we, you know, if you're, if you're on a graduate assistantship mm-hmm. at the university like I am, you know, you're getting paid twelve to $15,000 a year. Yeah. And so that is poverty. It's still poverty, yeah. Uh, but... If you if you chose to remove the students, you're still looking at things like 25% of the children in the city are uh, impoverished. One in five families wakes up every day not sure if they're going to be able to put food on the table. They're food insecure. You know, close to one in three people in the city are poor. Mm-hmm. And I care about that for a lot of reasons, moral reasons, theological reasons, economic reasons, policy reasons. But even if you're a purely cynical person who doesn't feel a moral compunction to do something about poverty, mm-hmm. 
you guys are down here in Athens, in downtown Athens. You know how hard it is to run a business. And and it doesn't do anything for local business owners to have that many poor customers. Yeah. Because if, if you're that close to starvation, which a lot of people in our city are, when on average night you're trying to decide, can I afford to even go to the grocery store? Am I going to send my kids up to the uh, gas station and we're going to eat potato chips or ramen noodles tonight? then you certainly can't afford to come to Rook and Pond. You certainly mm-hmm. can't afford to go out uh, and shop or eat uh, out, you know? Mm-hmm. And so that hurts commerce locally, and it places a ceiling on Athens' economy that we're not going to be able to exceed until we address that. And so I'll just say that poverty is part of it. Acknowledging that the reason we're the poorest college town in America is because the poverty here is uh, special. And by special, I mean it tends to be generational and racial. Mm-hmm. And so we have to talk about race, mm-hmm. and that's something that makes people very uncomfortable. But, you know, our platform focuses on issues of economic development, uh, transportation, including a push for fair free transit, criminal justice reform. Um, we plan on talking really strongly about anti-poverty as well. Mm-hmm. And, and so whether we're talking about living wage, whether we're talking about poverty, whether we're talking about marijuana reform, these are all topics that I think you can come to from a nonpartisan standpoint. Absolutely. But time will tell how people respond to that kind of honesty. Absolutely. Without getting too in the weeds politically, yeah. I guess. Ha, uh, in the weeds. Uh, <laughs> hey, there you go. There's that uh, sweet, sweet weed joke. <laughs> Hashtag weed. I think some of the things, especially in, uh, with local yeah. politics, um, I think just you know, being a follower of news and right. being in tune in Athens and, and hearing you know, candidacies that you know, talk about, say, something like criminal justice reform. Right. How much of that can you affect on a local level? How much are you, you know, sort of dependent on what you know, state and federal right. law dictates? Like. I, I think sometimes people will say things like that, and then there's this this thought, like, well, that's nice to think about, but can they actually make that sort of a change in City Hall in Athens? Right. Yeah. yeah. So I'm going to respond to that by saying this, uh, which you know because I'm responding. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> in about 2008, my first foray into politics was working here in Athens. I started with the Obama campaign, and then I, I ended up, at the time, I was managing bands here in Athens, and through... Some really lucky circumstances, I ended up becoming a campaign manager for a guy named Bobby Saxon, who was uh, running against Paul Brown for Congress. He was a Marine, wasn't he? Yeah, well, so he was Army. Army, um, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. Um, so, but, you know, uh, he, well, so he was in the Reserve, he was, sorry, he was in the National Guard, and then he ended up Army, um, but he just retired from the military as a full, uh, what they call full bird colonel, because, you know, That's the logos, yeah. But, um retired from the Pentagon and he, you know, he was basically Steve Rogers. He was basically Captain America. (laughs) This is a guy who had grown up in Oconee County, put himself through school digging ditches, was in the military in the eighties, was there in Berlin when the Berlin wall fell, then, uh, came back, started a tech company, a tech consulting company. And then when nine 11 happened, felt so compelled to do something, he shut his business down and reenlisted and did combat duty in Iraq and Afghanistan. (laughs) And so, and he was a Democrat, which was just right. You know, Uh, so uh, it's hard to know that I've run a campaign for a candidate that is far more impressive than I'll ever be. But the, the next year, I, I had 70 volunteers that I had developed and trained through that campaign. Mm-hmm. We had managed to actually outdo Obama's percentage of Democrats voting in our own district. Uh, so we hit 40%. And I considered running there uh, that year. I considered actually running for something in 2010. We had the donor infrastructure, everything. And I promise you this is going to your question. I realized that even if I could have successfully won, I didn't know how local government worked. 
Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And I didn't, you know, for our Parks and Recreation fans, I didn't want to be, <laughs> what is it, uh, Ice Town and, yeah. you know, whatever. You know? <laughs> uh, and, and so, so I've set to work learning how things worked. You know, I'd, I'd been an entrepreneur at that point, but I went and worked corporate for a while. Then I came back and uh, got my MPA, my Master's in Public Administration here from UGA uh, UGA has an amazing MPA program. It was actually just rated as number one in the world. And now I'm doing my PhD in public administration and policy. So the answer to your question is there's a lot you can do on any issue locally. You just have to know how the system works. Mm-hmm. And just by virtue of being elected doesn't mean that you know how the system works. We have a lot of local elected officials that are great, amazing public servants. But we also have some that have a very limited view of what government can do and often those limitations come from either A, a misunderstanding that, yes, Athens is very unique, mm-hmm. but they, they start to think that means we can't look outside for solutions. But it also means that they don't understand or they're not interested in the possibilities. So criminal justice reform. Have either of you heard about what's going on in Clarkston right now? I have not, actually. So I think we spoke about it briefly. Yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I actually got to introduce you to Ted Terry yes. uh, a few uh, weeks ago. So uh, Mayor Terry is out in Clarkston, Georgia, and they just did marijuana deprioritization. And so it was a very interesting thing. You can't change state law. You can't change federal law. But officers are given discretion. And so they actually passed an ordinance that asked police officers to asked uh, to issue tickets or warnings mm-hmm. whenever possible instead of arrests. Well, as a result, in the last year, according to the AJC, they've only had about six marijuana arrests in a year. Wow. And there's been no other increase in crime. Mm-hmm. So you're not actually disempowering the police. You're empowering the police to make a decision. You're giving the cover from the city saying, we will back you in this. Mm-hmm. And you're also acknowledging how difficult a job police officers have. And you're saying this is one less thing for you to have to be concerned with both day to day and morally. Because I have friends who are police officers who are really conflicted about the fact that they know that this is very similar to arresting people for alcohol use in the last years of prohibition. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I, I have never smoked pot myself and that's not a politician thing saying like sometimes I, I laugh at it, you know, yeah. because I, I mean, two out of our last three presidents, they all admitted uh, yeah. right, three out of our last four, right. Yeah. Um, have all admitted to using it. One it's, didn't inhale though. <laughs> which I'm not sure that helps. Right. But, but, but I'll just say that, uh, I'm not someone who's ever used marijuana or plans to use it, um, but I do think that when we look at a system that where the data tells us that white and black people buy and sell drugs at the same rate, mm-hmm. but African Americans are four to five times more likely to have that drug-related felony that keeps you from student loans, keeps you from college, while you're under probation, keeps you from voting, keeps you from even judging your peers as a member of a jury. Mm-hmm. Well, when you have a system like that, that prison pipeline creates a permanent racial divide that prevents people from having fair opportunities. And so if we were to follow Clarkson's example, I think that would be very helpful. I will also say on a local level, Georgia ranks 49 out of 50 in terms of states uh, who give their police officers hours of training mm-hmm. before they get on to the job. Now, anyone who knows ACCPD knows that we, we truly do have one of the best police departments uh, in the country. And mm-hmm. I'm not just saying that my friends in Black Lives Matter, you know, and I, I consider myself a supporter of Black Lives Matter, but some of the p- most vocal proponents here in Athens have said that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you hear it around the city. We have a great police department. We have great police chief. Uh, but 
we could be doing more to augment their uh, training budget. Mm -hmm. I I know that that's something they want to do. And then also, you know, there's this big push for community policing. And, but think about this. I mean, so your job couldn't ask you Mm -hmm. to go hang out with someone without paying you, right? Sure. Yeah. Right. Um, So as much as we want our police officers playing pickup basketball in neighborhoods or having cookouts and, and, and building relationships in the community and being there uh, more than just when they're being called, mm-hmm. you have to have payroll for that. Yeah, and how, how, yeah. do you, how do you have payroll to support community policing while simultaneously increasing demands for faster 911 times, having better service delivery? You mm-hmm. need twice the payroll to accomplish those things. So I think that we need to take a look at the budget and the support we're offering local police officers if we're going to also simultaneously increase the demands we're placing on them. Yeah. So, I mean, that's just, I, I hope yeah. that that answers your question. No, absolutely. But, but there's a lot we can do, and that's just one issue, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll add one last thing, which is just, obviously we don't want people driving without insurance, but the fines and current penalties for driving without a license, uh, I'm not sure how many people are aware of this, but that's a, that's a penalty that predominantly affects immigrants mm-hmm. and predominantly affects uh, impoverished people. Yeah. And I'm not saying that there shouldn't be penalties, but I think that we need to take a hard look at what those penalties are, how we're assessing those penalties. Mm-hmm. And if that's something we can affect at the local level, great. If it's something as commissioner that I'd have to go to uh, our capital and advocate for on behalf of Athens, then that's another way to do it. Mm-hmm. But I think we have to ask, it, you know, is the punishment fitting the crime there? Yeah. Right. Well, that's, that's definitely fascinating. I don't know what it has to do with Ticket to Ride, though. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Yeah. Just kidding. It no. has a lot to do with America. You it guys definitely does. Thing, right? No, this is this is but, far more interesting too than any of the questions I had uh, prepared <laughs> before. Now, um, but, but this is, this is awesome. to bring it to a little board game slam. Yeah, you sure. said you're going. Um, your your district goes out to the Super Kroger, Space right. Kroger, you're right? Space Kroger. Right. <laughs> um, is Coyle Middle School part of your? The district. Um, so it's right on the edge. Yeah. Right on the edge. Yeah. Okay. Um, because we've done um, some really great uh, work with right. Coyle right. and Paul Salou, um, who is yeah. a middle school teacher there. Right. And he started a um, sort of a a club at his at the school. Right. Uh, that uh, he stocks a board game closet, right. and then after school he teaches um, them all these different games. Really great games. Right. You know, um, he does Mission Red Planet mm-hmm. and um, Evolution mm-hmm. and some really great games. Um, They'll teach them, they play, and then he has them teach the games out in local, other local schools and right. libraries and that kind of thing. So just being a gamer, being right. involved in schools and education and being just a concerned mm-hmm. citizen, that program obviously has merit. But right. um, have you, um, you know, just thought about or have you done any sort of teaching using board games yourself? Or how do you think that could be extended yeah. out, um, you know, out to, to other schools? So... When I was younger, when I was uh, still at Cedar Shoals, I got involved in hip hop, mm-hmm. and you know I was a I was a battle rapper for about five years, and uh, then uh, as a rapper, I started a record label and managed punk rock acts and hip hop acts. And uh, during that time, during those early years, one of the mentors that was most important to me, who shaped me as a young man, uh, was Life. Yeah. Uh, and. Life is now uh, heading up Chesson Community, and one of the things that Life has been consistent on in the you know, gosh, seventeen years I've known him, is that games can really inform your thinking outside of the the game room. Mm-hmm. And even back in the day, that was chess for mm-hmm. him. You know, I mean, I remember I had been in chess club when I was younger. Chess is something a lot of local activists believe in. Um, uh, 
one of my old friends, Roderick Flanagan, and I were in uh, chess club together at Hillsman. And I, you know, so you see the way that chess develops strategic thinking that you can take out into the real world. Yes. I think that as game culture continues to spread, I think increasingly we can see how game culture can teach different skills. Where I'm most excited about that is that the rise of game culture in America has really increased awareness of cooperative gaming. Mm -hmm. And so I think the the type of games I would be most interested in seeing people play are like Pandemic. Yeah. You know, where... uh, So Pandemic's a perfect one for a policy nerd like me because (laughs) you're forced to make all these decisions. You're thinking about resource allocation. Mm -hmm. You're thinking about skill sets, skills training, right? Because, you you know, and and you think about what you lack. I mean, every time you play Pandemic you lose a type of, uh, or at least with the size group I play, we never get all the roles out there. No, absolutely not. Right? And so you, you have to think about what do I do with the limitations I have and how do I solve real-world problems? Mm-hmm. And, and so a game like that, I think, is especially good yeah. one. Yeah, That's great. That's Stone Age, same way. You know? Exactly. Um, one of my you know, favorites. Yeah. yeah, well, yeah, you know, I was thinking when you talked about me being here in the beginning and earlier before our segment, uh-huh. you talked about how you are always taken in by the art. Yeah. I remember when you sat us down, uh, my wife and I and uh, the, the couple that always comes here with us, uh, Tyler and Jennifer Moon, you were telling us about the art. And yeah. I just love the art. I do, yeah. yeah. It catches me. And then uh, I really, I, I, you can usually tell through um, certain illustrations like what the type of game is going to be too. Mm. And I know that you and I have a lot of overlapping games we really enjoy. Yeah, yeah. And so like, like you were saying, resource management, hidden trader games, worker placement, worker placement games. Yeah. yeah, all those games are just really fun for me. And just understanding uh, you know, certain aspects in business, you can, you can kind of overlap those things. Yeah, of course. Um, you'd also talked about your hip-hop days. And <laughs> yeah. I want to know more about your hip-hop days, to be honest. Yeah. Um, a lot of times you have stage names. Um, you have any really good stories about people you met or things that happened. Um, sure. So what happened? Okay, Tell so... I came to hip hop in the absolute nerdiest way possible, which sure. is I, so I came to it in high school. I was a very nerdy kid. I had, uh, at the time, you know, I have a shaved head now, but at the time I had the parted haircut, you know, I think mm-hmm. I, uh, I, I tucked my sweatshirts in. I, was a, you know, I always had, a, I always had a paperback book in my pocket. I was a really nerdy kid. And I remember at the time I was reading a lot of Shakespeare and, you know, Shakespeare always begins each play with something to entertain the groundlings, to mm-hmm. enter, entertain the, the people in the front audience. And so often it begins with violence or cutting humor. And uh, I always remember being enthralled by that, this idea that these people are insulting each other in couplets or they're insulting each other in sonnets or they're yeah. insulting each other in like these very formal ways while saying really dirty, mean things to each yeah. other about each other. And I always thought, wow, that is so funny that, you know, if you're watching Shakespeare, you're kind of buying into this world where people can just extemporaneously be that clever and in <laughs> All the time, yeah. yeah. And at the time, uh, battle rap culture was really big. So this was 98, 99. Uh-huh. And so this was pre-Eminem becoming... Pre-8 Mile, maybe. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, but I think Eminem was in the periphery, but he wasn't really a, a, a force of nature yet. Mm-hmm. He was making some noise on radio uh, freestyles. And so people who were really into hip-hop knew who he was. But the idea of a white rapper was a very unusual thing. Yeah. And uh, I was at Cedar Shoals High School, and I was in track and cross-country. And actually, I was on cross-country with Eugene Willis, who performs locally as Black Nerd, mm-hmm. uh, who's a very popular local performer. I do like Black Nerd a lot. Yeah, he's great. And so I used to watch these battles, and I used to go, oh, that's Shakespeare, right? Because yeah. they, they, they're extemporaneously 
uh, and assaulting one another. <laughs> and it's all about who can be the most clever. And there were some unfortunate aspects of it. I mean, aspects that, uh, as, a, as a guest to someone else's culture, which I have to acknowledge I was, uh, I, I'm in no place to apologize for. But there were, there were aspects of the culture that, uh, you know, rap battle culture could be very homophobic. And, mm-hmm. I, and I am not thrilled that when I think back on some of the types of insults you use, I think, wow, that was a really strange way of compartmentalizing. Mm-hmm. Because in my day-to-day life, I was doing things like when I was 18, I, I earned Eagle Scout and I considered staying on as an adult leader, but I left because of the decision to bar um, gay Boy Scouts. Mm-hmm. I thought that that was, you know, that kind of homophobia was unacceptable. And yeah. I would do benefit concerts uh, for local causes and I would go with friends to visit Bone Shakers, which mm-hmm. was a you know gay club here in Athens. But then you step on stage and there's aspects of battle rap that's not as, uh, that certainly was not LGBTQ positive. Mm-hmm. But uh, what was exciting about battling was that, especially at the time, there was this emphasis that it had to be off the top of your head. Yeah. If, uh, in fact, in Atlanta, Drez the Beatnik, who was the, uh, at the time and still is one of the most popular event hosts in Atlanta and in the country had a rule that if in a battle rap you were accused of not freestyling, mm-hmm. he would hold what was called rhyme court. Oh. And you, basically the battle would stop. You would be pulled on stage by yourself. Uh, at the last second, they would give you a random topic. And if you couldn't freestyle about that random topic as well as you had been just moments ago, oh, you would be banned. You were exiled. And... <laughs> And so it, that one of the things that I don't like about where freestyle culture is gone is that there's been this kind of silly arms race where people kept wanting to outdo each other in freestyles. And so gradually people started doing completely written freestyles. So a lot of times if you're on YouTube or you're uh, watching uh, television, you see someone quote unquote freestyling. But they're not. An actual, yeah, an actual MC will watch that and just feel angry chills because they'll know that that's not a real freestyle. Mm-hmm. But gradually, as more and more people got away with it, it the expectations the became higher. Mm-hmm. And so you almost have to these days use prepared and call it a freestyle. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so I, I rapped for about five or six years. I, you asked about pseudonyms. Yes. <laughs> so my dad's named Thomas. Um, my name's Thomas. And... At the time, I was going by Thomas instead of Tommy, uh-huh. and so I had the really bright idea that I would go by Young Thomas. Um, and the reason for <laughs> Young like Thomas it. was it, no, nobody, almost nobody knows that that's what the acronym stood for. But I went by YT, yes. and the idea of YT was that if you said it very quickly, it sounded like Whitey. Yeah, uh-huh. and uh, and yeah, and once again, point out like when I started, the only comparisons people would compare you to would be like Beastie Boys, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Vanilla Ice, if you were unlucky, yeah. Mark there, was, there was a, one old white rapper that's not around anymore named Snow. There was oh, Everlast. Yeah. Informer. But there, there yeah, was, yeah informer. <laughs> deep cut. <laughs> but yeah, so it was very rare. And so, you know, that was the most signature thing about me. And battling is all about expectations. So I would often show up at battles and play into the stereotype as hard as I could get away with. <laughs> so I'd wear collared shirts. I'd have <laughs> taped, taped glasses. glasses. I actually oh, found yeah. a pocket protector. <laughs> um, and a lot, a lot of times battles are two rounds. And so if you can get your opponent to take you for granted and not use their good material with you on their first round, that's one round up you yeah. have on them. 
And so the 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 whitey thing was was kind of a funny thing. You got in their head. Uh, you tried. You yeah, tried. you had to. Yeah, you tried. Um, but you know, this was prior to my awareness of notions of appropriation or mm-hmm. privilege, and you know, so I was in a nice little ignorance is bliss bubble. I'm not sure whether I'd make the same decisions over again. But what I'm very happy about, and this takes it back to the campaign, is if you look at some of the people that I'm working with on this campaign, these are people that mentored me starting when I was a young MC. You know, so for example, our volunteer coordinator is a guy named Montu Miller, mm-hmm. who is one of the most pivotal figures in Athens hip hop. And I'm glad that I did hip hop, A, because it was fun, B, because um, my final album was a, a group album where I, it was myself and a singer. And uh, when I was looking for singers, that's how I met my wife, Laura. Mm-hmm. And she's one of the best singers I've ever heard. And we got to tour together and play Eleven Alive. And uh, if it wasn't for hip-hop, I might never have met my wife. Yeah. But I'm also happy because it, it, kept, it ensured that I didn't live or become socialized in a bubble. And I got to meet people from all walks of life and grow accustomed to the limitations of my own awareness, the weight of my own privilege and the responsibilities that I had. Rhyme court sounds like it's like the most whimsical name for something so terrifying. <laughs> it is. Yeah. You do not want to go to <laughs> rhyme court. That's yeah. a, that has to be so something like that, or even just yeah. what you're talking about doing the freestyle yeah. uh, has to help so much in campaigning and debating and like, yeah, we'll th- see, there right? could be nothing that could terrify you. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. You've been to rhyme court. I yeah. Know. Okay. So, you know, so you asked for an anecdote. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you one quick one, you know? So, uh, and it's funny, you know, at downtown Athens is getting an athlete's foot, right? You mm-hmm. guys have seen this, right? And I thought athlete's foot had closed. I thought they were gone. Like yeah. radio shack. Yeah. And all those were but, closed. So in, I guess it was like 2003, 2004, I participated in the largest rap battle I ever participated in. I think that if I, I think I was told that there were uh, a couple hundred participants in this, this thing, but it was an athlete's foot rap battle in underground Atlanta. And I had no plans to enter this thing, but I happened to be in underground that day and I saw it. And so I, I jumped in, which uh, sidebar uh-huh. battle rap, you have to be very strategic about how you dress. Okay. Because anything you wear, if you uh, wear dirty shoes, you someone's going to talk about it. Right. You have yeah. to be very strategic, right? And that's not, I just showed up that day. So I remember thinking, maybe I shouldn't do this. So I was in this battle. It was, uh, I say it underground, but it was at the upper level. So right over by the Marta station. And there was this giant crowd. And this was right before T.I. blew up. Okay. So T.I. was one of the judges. I think. Oh, really? I, I, I want to say it was T.I., Greg Street, and a few other people. And oh, by the way, how are we doing on time here? Am oh, I, we're good. No, you're good. Yeah. Okay, good. Absolutely. All right. So uh, <laughs> no, I, just, I was worried I was uh, running too long. But so T.I. was one of the judges and they had a rule and this wasn't uncommon at rap battles that you couldn't use the N word. Now, mm-hmm. I don't want listeners to be concerned that this story turns into some horrible <laughs> thing because that's not a word that I have or will ever use. But Sometimes it's eliminated from rap battles because it can be kind of a crutch. Yeah. Well, so many words rhyme with it Mm -hmm. that sometimes you'll see people that will do internal rhyme schemes, but every external rhyme will end with that. Okay. And so it's eliminated for a lot of reasons, but it was eliminated from the battle. Well, uh, in my verse going into the final round, so the second to last round, I used the word cracker. And 
TI objected to me using this word. Okay. So uh, when it was time to judge who was moving on to the next round, he tried to disqualify me. Okay. And I haven't, I haven't told the story in public in a very long time. <laughs> anyway, he, he tried to disqualify me, and he said, look, if you can't – and I understand the logic here. If we're not using racial epithets, yeah. you shouldn't be – You know, if, if African Americans can't use their uh, word, then why is he going to use cracker? That's, yeah. That doesn't make any sense. And so uh, he should be disqualified. And the audience lost it uh, because at that point, for whatever reason, the audience was really into whatever I was doing up there. Mm-hmm. And so they booed. And so then the judges conferred. And so they said, all right, kind of a rhyme, cart, a rhyme court moment. Uh, <laughs> you can do another verse right now. And if it's good enough, then you can go on to the last round. Okay. And so me being a smart aleck, I... So I did another verse, and as I was freestyling, I, the only lines I can remember from anymore are, I think I was freestyling about everything I could say, just trying to emphasize my ability that I was really going off the top of my head. Uh-huh. And then I said, uh, T.I. doesn't like the C word, and that don't move me, because I'm not T.I., I'm I.T. like the clown from the movie. Ooh! <laughs> uh, and, uh, and so I did this intentionally because at the time there was this real movement in hip-hop where like, people would get into beef and then someone would get uh-huh. signed. And so I was like, oh. If, you I know, could if get I, signed I, right I, now. I said, if I can diss T.I. in front of this giant crowd and T.I. You know, uh, disses me back, then we can have this whole thing. And so it almost went according to plan because I said that and then he got from the judge table, he grabbed the microphone he's like, I just want you, you know, I'm the king of Atlanta. You know, can't nobody disrespect me, such and such. And, I, and I'm sitting there going, yes, this is my moment. You know? <laughs> spit something, I can spit something back. And they immediately took the microphone away from me so I couldn't say anything else. Uh, but I did go to the last round and I did win. Uh, and, and T.I. ended up coming backstage and <clears throat> uh, was an incredible gentleman and was super cool and really encouraging. And that, that is, I guess, the biggest thing I'll tell you is that all of the rappers I've met, uh, I've gotten to meet KRS-One. I got to do a couple tour spots with Bubba Sparks, Bubba especially. But these guys are just... I guess you can't survive in that industry unless if you're just really good at people. Yeah. And T.I. was so encouraging and laid back. Bubba Sparks is truly the most mannered Southern gentleman I've ever (laughs) met in my life. That's kind of what he's going for, too. It's bizarre. (laughs) You know, it's just, you know, he is the most polite, yes, sir, no, ma'am, Southern gentleman I've ever met. And, uh, but anyway, so... Uh, yes, for anecdotes, there's a there's an anecdote of uh, uh, as my brothers like to call it the time I had beef with Ti. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, not many people can say that that's something they've had. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I, 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 let, me, let me go on the record here. I do not want beef with Ti. No, not at all. Absolutely not. <laughs> Ti is one of our regular listeners. Yeah, I know. Ti Ti is also incredible. So as I don't. Justin like and I always point out Ti stern but fair. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, but if you ever if you have Ti on the show. I'm a big fan. Also, one of my political goals in life is to advance high enough that one day I can be in a room with T.I. and tell him that story and yeah. see if he remembers. <laughs> and be like, hey, you remember that time? I'm sure he does not. Incredible. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, real quick, we're gonna. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure oh, thank you. having you on the show, Tommy. Uh, we're going to wrap up with what we usually wrap up with, um, a round of outbursts. All right. Yeah. But before we do, we want to make sure everyone knows you are currently in candidacy for District 9. That's right. right. So th- our formal announcement is this Sunday at Lay Park. So mm-hmm. by the time the listeners will have heard this, uh, we will have had our launch. And we're very excited if you are listening and you want to find out more about our campaign, if you want to volunteer for our campaign. A big part of our campaign is also meeting voters around the city 
just having coffee in living rooms. So if you're if you're somebody that would like to have us visit and meet some of your neighbors or have a discussion, or even if you just want to grab coffee or you have some ideas on how we can improve our city, uh, no matter what it is, uh, you can find us online. Uh, you can visit the do- domain name Tommy4, that's F-O-R, Athens.com, Tommy4Athens.com. You can also find us on Facebook if you look up Tommy Valentine for County Commissioner. And we're also on Twitter and Instagram at the same uh, username, Tommy4Athens. Mm-hmm. So, but Tommy4Athens.com. And please, please don't hesitate to reach out if you even think you want to get involved. Uh, part of the big part, uh, one of the most important things we can do with this campaign is not only elect a person, but develop new talent to get involved in local government. Absolutely. And we'll and put all you the also links. Have a, I was going to say, you also have a radio show. Oh, yes. That you can plug as well. <laughs> yeah, so I, I do have a radio show. Um, it's, uh, it's not as well conducted or as funny as this one, <laughs> but we do each Sunday at 3.30 on WXAG, mm-hmm. the heart and soul of Athens, Georgia, 92.7 FM. Uh, at 3.30 on Sundays, each week we interview a different community leader, whether it's an elected official or a nonprofit head or advocate, activist, or department head. We bring uh, community leaders in, and we spend 30 minutes with them getting to know why they do the work they do, what motivates them, and what that work actually looks like. That's and, awesome. Yeah, and, and for that, you can visit just TommyValentine.com. Very cool. Excellent. And we'll put links to all of that in show notes, and on once we you know put um, the episode link out on Facebook, Twitter, we'll, we'll, all the links will be up there for mm-hmm. everybody on that. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you. And now, what everyone's been waiting for... <laughs> Outburst. Yes. <laughs> we currently have a four-way tie between all of our last four guests at three points each. So three points each. So this is you know as many uh, as many as you can get of these ten in one minute. Uh, and so yeah, our four-way tie, um, three points each so far is Mark Weathersby, mm-hmm. uh, Life, yes, Natalie Cox, Natalie Cox, and Caleb, and Caleb Zane. Yep. All right. Avid. So that's it's, there's a lot of illustrious company there, but all tied at three. Well, I, th- I look forward to. Breaking away from those ranks by scoring one. There you go. <laughs> All right. I don't know. There's something about three. No one can get past it. So it we talked about uh, a couple of mentions of my freakish height earlier. Uh, so your category is famous and tall. Oh my. Oh okay. man. James These are Comey. ten. <laughs> famous. This is mid nineties. And remember, though. this is mid nineties out there. It's, uh, <laughs> it's it's always it's our unique little. A uh, little twist uh, on outburst. This game was was made in 1997 or something around that that time. So keep that in mind as we go with famous and tall. Ten famous and tall. Okay, and away we go. What go. you got? All right. So do I just list people? Yeah. All right. Go for All right. it. Manute Bowl. Um, Michael Jordan. Uh, Shaquille O'Neal. Whoop. Shaquille O'Neal. All right. Uh, Charles Barkley. I'm trying to think of famous and tall. Famous and tall. Um, I feel like it's all athletes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm just sitting here on athletes. Uh, famous and tall. Uh, do they have to be living? Nope. Abraham Lincoln? Yes. Oh. Okay. Um, famous and tall. Donald Trump's tall. He was around in the <laughs> is 90s. He really? Yeah, he is. Um, who else? Uh, we got 23 seconds. Famous and tall. There's a couple more athletes, but there's only uh, three more athletes, but uh, okay. all the rest are non-athletes. Okay. Fixed, Larry Bird. Fictional characters. Um, uh, Larry Bird's not one of them. Magic Johnson. Hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm getting stuck on two here, folks. Uh, no, I got three, right? Am I three? Two, two zero, two. one. Only two. Dang. Dang. All right, so. Who are we missing? Who are we missing? Wilt Chamberlain. 
Uh, Will the Still. When I thought Larry Bird, I thought Will Ch- or Will Chamberlain. Yeah, Will yeah. the Still. Remember, this is yes, this is nineties. Yeah. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, Andre the Giant. Uh, Ooh. Those are your three. Oh, he was tall. Those are. Three. <laughs> <laughs> should, I, should I have known that? Uh, Paul Bunyan. Uh, oh. <laughs> the Jolly Green Giant. That's so oh. no. Uh, the Giant from the yeah. Jack and the Beanstalk. Beanstalk Giant. Does it say that whole thing? Beanstalk. It says Giant from okay. Jack and the Beanstalk. You know the one with Jack you know. and the Beanstalk and the Magic Beans. <laughs> I just want a sidebar here. Second sidebar of the interview. Uh, I didn't know that fictional characters were Neither did under I. consideration. Yeah. But it does say, I, I can't be litigious here, because I was going to say, wait, it said famous uh, and tall people, but it does yeah. not. It just says famous and, yeah. and tall just people. So not, I mean, what, am I supposed to say Mount Everest? You know what I mean? uh, <laughs> Let's not put them in a box, all right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, well, you're, Herman Munster was it? <laughs> okay, yeah. And John Wayne. Oh, okay. The Duke. Dang. Well, that was tough. Wayne, I'm sorry, Duke. Timing, but... Well, no, I... I yeah, I, Albert has spoken. I, if you're going to be in politics, you have to keep your promises, and I promise to score low. <laughs> you I, did. You actually did. You still delivered highs as well. So. I did. I did. But so, yeah, well, um, thank you, Albert. Tommy. That, yeah, so that 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 not bad too. That was a tough one. I will say that's one of our tougher our tougher categories. Mm-hmm. We um, we gave some people some uh, more topical, more layups for them early on. You know that they. <laughs> so we we went we went hard mode on you all day long here. Yes. So yeah. Yeah. Been, listen, I just want to say it's been a really blisteringly brutal. <laughs> Uh, interview, <laughs> a lot of gotcha journalism, a lot of fake news. And That's what we specialize in. Yep, you already know. I don't think your questions are fair. And Hey, you knew our reputation coming that's, in. That's, oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, everyone does. <laughs> I've been pinching and giving Tommy noogies the entire time. Before the interview, we really <laughs> Yeah, you guys can't see they have squirt guns and they just <laughs> me in the face. Well, thank you, Tommy. That was excellent. Thank you for um, having us. Yes, and awesome. thank you for <laughs> thank you for having all three of us here. <laughs> we didn't even get to your split personality issue. I enjoy it. Yeah, we can get into that next episode. But uh, as always, this has been uh, I'm Justin and I'm uh, Tim Kelly. And thanks for listening to the Rook and Podcast. We'll see you next time. See ya. That's all. Thanks to Tommy, Justin, Nick for our music, Scott Duvall at Jawabi Films for the technical support, and all of you for listening. If you like what you hear, please, please head to iTunes and SoundCloud to rate and review. We'll be back next week with more games and more of Athens. Thanks, guys. See you at the Rook and Pond.